Have you ever wondered, what do these people know that I don't know? How do I do it? How do I find my purpose, my passions? What if you could sit down with some of the wisest experts, everyday leaders, and inspirational people who could answer your deepest questions? That is what we do here on the Inspirational Living Podcast. We invite you to join us as we hold conversations, share wisdom, tips, and tools to inspire you, ignite your passions and vision for your life, to awaken your sense of purpose and hope, and leave you inspired to design your best life. Join me, your host, psychologist Dr. Sean Horn, as we take you on an inspirational, motivational, and educational journey so you can inspire by living an inspired life. Oh my goodness, folks. I am writing this episode, talking about in this episode, perfectionism and shame. And I cannot tell you how many times I have stopped this, re-did re, it over and over again, deleted what I said, do it over again. Is this not hysterical that as I am talking about perfectionism, I am being perfectionistic about it. <laughs> Just like, it's so funny. So in this episode, and I promise you, I'm not going to edit it. This is going to be raw. This is me. I'm done. I'm done going back and re-recording this because this just needs to be that episode that is just raw as we talk about perfectionism. So I'm going to talk about perfectionism and control. When we bring up this subject, or I'm sorry, I'm going to go back. I'm talking about perfectionism and shame shame and control as well. That's coming. That might be the next one or I'll weave it into this one. So we'll see. Perfectionism is one of those topics that really gets targeted from different angles. So perfectionism can be a symptom and an outcome of being shamed. In that case, the person is covering up their shame or managing their shame with perfectionistic efforts. If I can be perfect enough, if I can get those straight A's, if I can get that degree, then the world will know I am okay. They will see me as intelligent. They will see me as driven. They will respect me. I will be okay in this world. In that case, it's a way of managing the very vulnerable wound underneath it that is afraid of having the opposite of that reality. Now, remember that shame is a form of social trauma. So somewhere they got this message that they weren't good enough intellectually, they weren't good enough, or they saw somebody that struggled with that. And they said, I don't want to be like that. Or they got their value by being intelligent and getting really good grades. And that was the one thing that their parents really loved about them, or their friends really liked about them. It, it became their thing. And so in that way, they get really attached. They identify with that intelligence, that accomplishment, because that is their thing in this world that gives them that value. So it can come from shame from in that way. But the other way that perfectionism and shame come together is when people who are driven and they are just like to pursue excellence are stigmatized and shamed for having that drive. And in that way, they are shamed for being a perfectionist. 
So some people are just really driven. They like intellectual challenges. They like to reach their potential. They like to see how far can I go? Can I win that competition? Can I be the best at this thing I'm setting out to do? It's rewarding for them and it's fun for them. When I think of this, I think of my golden retriever that I had, Bailey. And Bailey was very intelligent. She loved to be intellectually stimulated. And if she wasn't, she would get stirred up. She would just get really wound up and we would have not a good dog day. But if we created a lot of adventure for her, puzzles to be solved, games that she could play, she would wear herself out, sleep well, and be very content and happy. There are some people in this world that are just like that. I happen to be one of them. (laughs) And I actually realized that during COVID and having all this downtime. Whenever I have downtime, I'm creating something. I am constantly moving. I like to do crafts. I like to do artwork. I like to do gardening. So let's say I'm going to be mindful in my garden. So I'm mindfully creating a garden. (laughs) This is just what I do. And if I have time where I'm not doing anything, I might learn an instrument. I might learn a new topic to teach or something. I just enjoy being active. I enjoy being intellectually stimulated and creating things. However, I have often had people say to me, Sean, you're doing too much. And when they did, I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. Like somehow I was doing something wrong that I didn't have good boundaries. I wasn't taking care of myself. I have poor judgment, something like that. And granted, there has been times in my life where I I bit off more than I can chew and I was juggling way too many balls and I couldn't manage all of that. So I've had to learn what my limitations are, how to pace myself, what's too much, what's just enough, things like that. And I'm still learning those things. But even as I learn those things, I still want to do all that I'm doing. To sit down and watch TV all day, that's a rare event for me. I don't enjoy that. But perhaps there will be a time I do or somebody else enjoys that. Not everyone is driven at the same level and there's no right and wrong, good or bad at it. It's just different dispositions. So if I was a dog, I would probably be a herding dog, a working dog, something like that, that just had to be busy and active throughout the day. And that's just how I am. So how do we know the difference when our perfectionism is being driven by unhealthy motives or healthy motives? And it really comes down to the intention of that motive. When you hear me talk about all these things, boundaries and and goals that we set and things, and we look at what's healthy and unhealthy, you'll hear me say over and over again, it has everything to do with your motive. If your motive that is driving your perfectionism is to show the world, your relationships, and even yourself that you are good enough as measured by your degree, your performance, your athletic accomplishment, your body perfection, whatever you do. If it's being measured by those things, then your ego is attaching to an external value is attaching to other people's opinions. It's attaching to some sort of performance oriented thing that my body is at this level of excellence. So therefore I am okay. 
My bank has this much money, therefore I'm okay. I have this degree, therefore I'm okay. Things like that. This is problematic because ultimately we cannot sustain those things and the value of those is dependent on other P is subjective. It, it varies upon culture and people. So it's not sustainable. And we have to really see that our value is not measured by these external variables, or it's not measured by our performance and how we serve other people and their way of perceiving us. It just can't be rested on those things because we're not going to always have people see us for us, right? So these things can really trip us up and cause problems for our self-esteem, our sense of self, our relationships. If we are gravitating to people that are measuring our value based on our performance, our accomplishments, then we're going to be in superficial relationships potentially. And when we can no longer accomplish those things or perform in that way, we might discover we're not unconditionally valued and loved, and then we're really hurt and harmed. So we don't want to structure our life and create a life where everything around us is measuring our value on some external ego-centered vain effort, so to speak. And so let's look at the other scenario. The other scenario is when our perfectionism and pursuit of excellence is being motivated by a personal desire, a personal value we have that we want to pursue excellence. We want to see ourselves in our greatest form, our greatest potential, and we enjoy it. We find it delightful. We find it rewarding. It's intellectually stimulating. It is fun to do these activities, to see how far you can go, how much you can accomplish. And it drives you. People who might identify with this may really enjoy competitions. They may really enjoy pushing themselves and pushing the envelope to such a point to see, can I rise to that? Can I achieve that? Sometimes I often wonder, and don't you ever think about this like with Oprah? You think, when do you stop? Like, when is it good enough? Or when is it you're done? You you had the show, you got the show. Okay, you did that. You're speaking, you're affecting the world. Okay, you did that. You wrote your book. All right, you opened your girl's school. Okay, you got millions of dollars. Okay, you got all your homes. All right, when when is it done? <laughs> so this is a very interesting thing to consider. I have considered this for myself in that I've noticed the earlier version of me would set out these goals and say, okay, I want to get my doctorate. All right. So I did. And I want to have my own private practice. Okay. I did. And I want to teach and done. I want to speak done. Want to do Ted talk. Okay. Coming it's done. And it just keeps going. And I had to pause and go, am, am I going to stop or what's next? And I realized at that moment, I'm not going to stop because it's not about a destination. It's not about an end result. It's not about some pillar that you land on. It's about fulfilling your calling while you're still alive and on this planet. So as long as I'm on this planet, I want to serve the world 
in a positive way. I want to leave this world impacted in a positive way. And I want to be in flow with God. I want to be aligned with what God wants to do with me today. And I don't know what that is. So tomorrow it might be something different and new in the next day. But what a fun adventure that is. It's like playing every day with destiny and possibilities and hope and pain and suffering and all those things. It all matters. And what I find is that when people have a destination mindset, they struggle because the destination never really offers what we expect it to offer. We set out dreams and we say, well, when I have my house, then this will happen. When I marry, then this. When I build my career, then that. We have that mindset. In the United States, it's that way. We have this Uh, these ideas that you graduate from high school, you go to college, you find your spouse, you, you get married, you start your career, you have, you get your house, your children, your dog, and off you go in that way, right? But then people arrive to that place and they look back and they say, well, that's it? I mean, okay, I'm here. I raised my kids and now they're off and doing their thing. I have my house, but I really don't want to live here anymore. And like to be somewhere else. And my spouse, well, you know, we're friends, but I'm not really happy with this marriage right now or, or I am, you know, we go through all these different seasons. And what we find is that life is really about the process. It's not about the end result. It's about the flow of every day being in that place. And today I had a conversation with somebody and we were talking about this and I have these moments, you know, where you say something, you go, oh my gosh, did I just say that? <laughs> and then you can't remember what you said because you're like, oh, it's so good. But what I was talking about was our efforts to control things and how controlling is one of the core problematic things that we do in life that really feeds a lot of our problematic interactions, self-management, our unhealthy coping skills. I mean, really shame and control are bedfellows. They go together because when you've been shamed, you've had social trauma or trauma. And so our brain doesn't like that. And our brain wants to make sure that that never happens again. So how do we make sure that things like that don't ever happen again? We control it. But the problem is, is that we try to control the things that we cannot control. We try to change the things we cannot change. And those things are all the things that belong to another person, their thoughts, their feelings, their behavior, their choices. We can't control that no matter how much we convince ourselves that we can. And we cannot control that no matter how much we convince ourselves or other people have convinced us that it's our job to do that. It can't, we can't. And so even if you sign yourself the job, I suggest you fire yourself from that job because that job will wear you into the ground. You cannot control what people do. You can try to impact it. You can influence it. You can encourage it, but you cannot control other people's choices. And if you convince yourself that you can and you convince other people that you can, then you took away an opportunity for them to discover their own power, for them to discover their own success. When people come to me and they say, oh my gosh, I've, I've improved so much in therapy. Look at everything I did. I did it. And it's because of you, Dr. Sean. 
it's not because of me. I didn't make that happen. I met them in a place in which they showed up and we could only do what they were willing to do. I met them where they were at and I, I worked with them. I danced with them on the journey of healing, but I'm not responsible for what they have created, what they've learned, how they've grown. I've just maybe facilitated some things, equipped, taught and so forth, but they were the ones that put it into action, that were willing to do that. So they need to own it because that's an opportunity for them to discover what is possible in them, for them to discover they can do hard things and rise. They can do hard things and not just survive, but thrive. They can do hard things and recover and form and develop a life that is fulfilling, living wholeheartedly. It's absolutely incredible. And they did it. They are incredible, amazing human beings. And if you can do that there, just think what else you can do. If you can overcome that, just think what else you can do. It's incredible. The strength that we get, what we learn about doing the hard things can show us what we can do with the the not hard things, the good things. And part of recovery is really learning to trust yourself, learning that you can be a good steward of you. You can now be the most loving parent to you and you can accomplish more than what anybody ever told you you could or you imagined possible ever, but you never knew that. And these moments and opportunities are times where you can. So when you presume to have controlled that, or they did that because of you, you just not only deceived yourself, but you robbed them of an opportunity of discovering a strength that they have inside. So let them own it. Let them have it and be their biggest cheerleader on the sidelines and celebrate that. So when we were talking about this, about being controlling, and we were talking about how life was about the process, not the end result, what came to mind to me is I said, being in flow is like dancing with your soul. It's like dancing with God. It's about the dance. It's about the music. It's about how you flow, what you create what that dance looks like, how it feels, how you experience it. It's not about what spot you end up on when the music is done. It's not about that. Think about it. Think about being on a dance floor. You're dancing. It's beautiful. It's fun. The music stops. Where are you? Does it matter? Are you close to the stage? Not close to the stage. Are you sitting down? Not does that matter? That does not define how that dance was experienced. They're two total separate experiences. If I sat there on the dance floor and I put all my value on where I'm standing, then I'm taking away that moment of, wow, that was incredible. I loved moving like that. I loved interacting like that with my dance partner which is life, which is the divine, which is the universe. That is where the magic is. So we want to let our souls dance. We want to dance and be in flow with the divine, not get all stuck and preoccupied with what spot will I end up on that will rob us of that magic.
So understanding that is really grabbing hold of the growth mindset, which we're now learning a lot about. We used to think that accomplishment was what we wanted. We wanted them to have the A's, kids to have the A's, to go to the college and and be a high achiever and all those things. And so when someone would reach excellence or get an A or be acknowledged as being super smart, we'd, oh, that's so great and put all the value to that, which we know now is that the value is doing the hard things because when you push yourself and you stretch yourself to do hard things, you are causing your brain to grow. You're growing your neural pathways. You're building up the muscle of your brain. So now what we're advising teachers to do, parents to do is to celebrate the effort, to celebrate the trying, the being willing to do it, even though it's awkward, even though it's hard, maybe you're embarrassed. It's all right because this is strengthening you. So think about when you're at the gym. I I know when I've lift weights before, the coach would, would have me lift weights till I, my arms would just go, nope, can't lift that anymore. (laughs) Can't do it. And you need a spotter, right? You just, you just end up dead in the middle of the air, unable to go down or up. You're stuck. And the coach would say, that's good because now the next time you go to the gym, your body's going to be even more stronger because you just took it to a next level. And that's what happens for us when we push ourselves to reach the next level is we are building up the muscle of our journey, the muscle of what's possible for us to expand what we think is possible. And that is just magic, folks. That's just really the magic in life. If we don't do that, if we say, well, I accomplished that, I did it and I'm done. Life won't be rewarding and we won't find the magic. So we want to look at the effort. We want to try and not stop there. If you have listened to one of my favorite podcasts, it's with Stephanie Fay. It's called The Neuroscience of Mindset. It's a shout out to Stephanie. I love your podcast. Her first season, she talks about the growth mindset and how important it is that we don't just celebrate the attempt or the failure, but we have to add to it. And what do we need to learn here? What's missing? What do we need to acquire to improve our performance or to accomplish what we need to accomplish? So you try to do something, you failed. It wasn't, you weren't able to achieve it. Well, let's look at that. What got in the way? What do you need? What resources, what tools, can we get to help you accomplish what you need to accomplish? And with those two put together, the valuing of the effort and the failure combined with what can we learn from that attempt to master it and have it improve the next time, when you do that, then we're able to move forward in a really masterful way. So when we are looking at perfectionism, And it's driven by shame where we don't want to fail because then we will be ashamed or shamed. Then not only does that keep us in a paralysis, but it stunts our growth. It stunts our brain growth. And we don't want to do that. So we want to have the shame-free approach to being driven 
which is I'm going to go out there. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to excel. I'm going to pursue excellence. And when I fail, I'm going to value that. I'm going to learn what worked, what didn't work. Is that, a, is that an opportunity I want, not that I don't want? Learn about ourselves, about that experience and what pearls of wisdom it had to offer us, what it revealed to us in that journey about ourselves, about others, about the experience that we can take with us and inform our future, inform the next steps. And in that way, it's all valuable. So if you are that person who values excellence, you like to push yourself, you like to compete, go to the next level, there's no shame in your game, my friend. There is no shame in your game. Go for it. You do you. That is awesome. And when other people get uncomfortable with you going big, let them be uncomfortable. Don't play small to help them feel more comfortable. You're robbing yourself and you're robbing us from your special touch on this world. Some people are just meant to go big. They're meant to excel and we're better off for it. So please do that. If it's on your heart and you're driven, go for it. And if you are somebody who is observing someone like that and you want to tell them to stop, I want to say, please stop. (laughs) Please stop trying to tell them to stop. Let them be who they are. Let them soar. Let them expand. Let them see what is possible in their lives. We will be better for it. If you are somebody that is pushing yourself to the limit because you are trying to manage your reputation, you're trying to manage how people feel about you, think about you, you're doing appearance management, we need to heal that. It's coming from a shame wound and that is trying to protect you. So we want to thank it. Thank you, perfectionism, for making sure that I'm safe and I'm okay And now we're going to learn another way. We're going to learn to have unconditional love for ourselves, unconditional value for ourselves. And this isn't a feeling that you have, that you're inspired to have. It's a choice of how you position your mindset towards yourself, that you're choosing to act, behave, to speak in a loving way to yourself, like a loving parent. And that means that, you know, sometimes loving parents do correct in a loving way and they're firm. If you have an area of your life that you didn't do what would be wise and best for you and your inner parent is recognizing that, it might say, hey, we got to get up. We got to try this again. Don't give up. You need to do this. Let's do it right now. Get up. Let's do it. Now that is acceptable. But if the inner critic is saying, all horrible things to you. What the heck is wrong with you? You always blow it. You're da da da. No, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to exercise self-grace and do this differently. So to summarize here in this podcast, I started off saying, I'm not going to edit this. And I didn't, I didn't stop it. I didn't go back and change it. So we did it folks. I did not get, um, what they call it? Perfectionistic paralysis, paralysis, perfect. There's some saying that they have with that where you will set out to do something and then you keep editing, 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 and you just get paralyzed, right? 
Uh, and see right there, that would be a moment I would go back and delete it because I just said it too many times. I said editing, editing too many times. And I'm like, why do I keep repeating myself? And so I'll go back and try to say only once and things like that. So, you know, I'm learning as I go. I'm learning how to do podcasts more effectively as I go. I have learned that I do give uh, an example too many times, or I'll go over a subject over and over. I've see things I do when I talk that I can improve on or whatnot. But that's just in the details. And you know what? I pay attention to details. And that's just how my brain works. And that is okay. But I'm also going to let myself show up in an imperfect way because I am the the perfectly imperfect psychologist to my perfectly imperfect audience that I love so much. So thank you for listening. And please submit your questions. Come on over to my website, sign up on my email list. I got to tell you what I'm doing. And this is for real folks. It's in motion. I've created my first course. I'm very excited about it, but it's about a topic I didn't think I would be talking on, or I didn't expect to be talking about it, but it, came up because I recently have been interviewed for a documentary. They asked me to come and be a speaker on shame. You're getting the inside information here, folks. They asked me to come and the organization is called Wonderfully Made. So this organization has created a nonprofit to minister support and help individuals who are Christian and gay or queer or LGBTQ and all that kind of stuff. And they have created a documentary that has been produced, uh, filmed, edited, everything by my friend Nicole Mischke, who is absolutely incredible. Please go to her YouTube channel. It is Uncovered with Nicole Mischke. And she is uh, going to be the host of the TV show that is coming out that I'm going to be on with her. And I am going to be a regular expert panelist on the show. We've gone back and forth, like, what's our titles? Your host, I'm co-host, what's this mean? <laughs> and all these formalities, it, you know, it doesn't really matter, but it matters because it kind of defines different roles and what we're doing. So I am officially a regular expert panelist on Uncovered with Nicole Mischke. And she has put together this amazing, amazing documentary. I had the opportunity to speak on shame on that show. And when I did, I realized how much shame and religion go hand in hand. One of the areas that we get so shamed about, or one of the sources that we get shamed from often is the church and religion and fundamentalism and all that kind of stuff. So, and it's a, it's something too that people have messaged me about, back messaged me, and I've had a lot of private conversations with people about the trauma that they experience in the church. And so I decided to create a course on this. Well, I started and one thing led to another and now I have close to 40 pages written of this curriculum. So we are about to launch this and we're going to have, um, we have a sign up on my link tree. If you're on my social media on Instagram and my link tree, there is 
um, a link that you can go to for this course. And then also if you sign up on my mastermind on my website under drshawnhorn.com, when this goes live, you will get the information. And if this is something that has affected you, your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, if you are overcome with these secret fears that God hates you, does not love you, that you're going to go to hell, that you're bad, that you struggle in that area and you want freedom from that, from the shame that you are not okay. And when you meet your maker, it's not going to be a pretty day or afterlife day or whatever you call it. (laughs) Then this course is for you. I am so excited to bring this information to you. So that's how that happened because the documentary is scheduled to come out January 31st with Wonderfully Made. And that is when people are going to hear me talk about religious shame. And I wanted to have something available at that time for people who want more to really get the how, how do you heal this? Not just the why, but how do you heal it? And that is this course. And folks, I'm so excited for it. So proud of it. So that's going to happen. So keep your eye out on that and sign up wherever I am so that you can get that information. And that's all I've got for you today. So today we talked about control, being out of control, uh, shame, the different uh, motives that our motives intention affects, whether it's healthy or unhealthy and so forth. I'm just not see this way I do. I'm, this is where I would stop it. And I would say, all right, Sean, you didn't write this all down because you know what, folks, I really do better improv with improv, improvising, improvising. I do not do good if it's all written down. I feel like it doesn't sound natural, normal, and I end up going over it, over it, over it. I just rather talk really, (laughs) but I do value having organized thought and information for all of you. So I'm just going to let this be today. I'm going to tolerate this moment and thank you for tolerating this moment with me. (laughs) All right. That's it. That's all I got. I'm really going to say goodbye now. Really honestly. Goodbye. Goodbye. Have a great day. Love you. Hope to see you next one. Bye. Oh, and one more thing. I'm not going to take all my breaths out, all the pauses. I'm just going right now to download this and put it up. Tell me what you think. (laughs) Are you saying like, Sean, really, you should have taken out the breaths and things like that? Because that's what I would normally do. But this time, I'm just going to let it be. I already stopped this once. I'm going to stop it now, officially. All right, bye. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this discussion was inspiring and uplifting to your journey. Please remember this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to substitute a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Also, make sure you rate this show, share with those you know, and send us a shout out. Please message me with any topics you would like me to address or questions you have on social media at Dr. Sean Horn or on my website. Thank you again and may you find joy in the journey and be richly blessed.